الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد اتيناك سبعا من المثاني والقران العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قسمت الصلاة بيني وبين عبدي نصفين أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected ulama kiram, brothers and elders On one occasion Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم called one sahabi who was performing his salah in the masjid he was engaged in some nafil. He called him. In any case, just to get to the main point of it, eventually when the Sahabi did come, so he said to him, I will teach you the greatest surah of the Quran Sharif. That before you leave the masjid, I will teach you the surah. So in any case, this Nabi Islam that got occupied with something. So Sahabi obviously had in his mind something in terms of a very very lengthy surah of the Quran Sharif because this will be the greatest surah of the Quran Sharif. So after some time Nabi Salaam began leaving the masjid so he came to Nabi Salaam and he said to him that you told me you teach me this greatest surah of the Quran Sharif. This was his eagerness to learn. So then Nabi Salaam taught him the greatest surah. And the greatest surah of the Quran Sharif, he said to him, Suratul Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And this is that same surah regarding which Allah Ta'ala says in an ayat of the Quran Sharif, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ سَبْعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِي وَالْقُرْآنِ الْعَظِيمِ That we have given you these seven ayat that are repeated, repeated every day in every rakat of every salah. Can we imagine the number of times, just if you count only the Fard Salah and the Sunnah Tawakkada, the Witr Wajib, this alone adds up to about 32 times a day. 32 times a day, this is just the bare minimum. Obviously a person performing his Salah behind the Imam, then the Imam's recitation is on his behalf. So it still counts for him. So 32 times a day is the bare minimum that he is reciting Surah Fatiha. Allah Ta'ala says these seven ayat, and these seven ayat are termed as Qur'an al-Azim, the great portion of the Qur'an Sharif. And in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says that nothing like the Surah Al-Fatiha was revealed, ma unzila fi al-Tawrat wa fi al-Zabur, wala fi al-Zabur, wala fi al-Injir, wala fi al-Qur'an misluha. Neither in the Tawrat, or in the Injil, or in the Zabur that was given to Dawud al-Salaam, and no in the Quran Sharif has there been a surah revealed like Surah Al-Fatiha. And the fact that this has to be recited every day in Salah, the Salah won't be completed without this recitation. The Salah will not be proper without this recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha itself tells us how important it is. So now when this is the importance of the surah, this is how crucial it is to the validity of our Salah. And this is the number of times we have to be reciting it daily. Then obviously there is a very, very deep message in the surah. 
are deep lessons for us to learn from it. And lessons for us to keep with us, not just every day of our life, every moment of our life. Because we are being made to repeat it, necessarily repeat it. The rest of the Quran Sharif, it's not compulsory to recite it daily, that every day, every portion must be recited. But Surah Al-Fatiha we cannot do without. Because we can't complete our Salah without reciting it. So this is something that's giving us a message to keep alive with us. From Fajr to Isha till the next day, every second of our life. So in this short time that we have, to briefly understand what is the message of Surah Al-Fatiha. What are the lessons that we have been given in this Surah? In one Hadith Sharif, this is a Hadith Qudsi. Hadith Qudsi is that Hadith where Allah Ta'ala inspires the words of the Hadith on the heart of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Allah Ta'ala speaks. And in the normal Hadith, Nabi Sallallahu relates from his side what Allah Ta'ala has revealed to him in his words. This is apart from the Quran Sharif, obviously. So in this Hadith Qudsi, Allah Ta'ala says, that I have divided the Surah Al-Fatiha between myself and my servant. Can we imagine Allah Ta'ala is saying, I have divided this between myself and my servant. Divided it in which sense? In the sense that half of it, the first half is all praise, that my servant then speaks about the praise in praise of me. That the servant will praise Allah Ta'ala in that first half of that Surah. And the second half of the surah is what he wants, what he is asking. So the first half is mine, the second half is his, meaning what he has asked for, I will grant him. So then Allah Ta'ala says that when he says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Nabi Islam says that when he says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah Ta'ala responds and Allah Ta'ala replies to his recitation. Can we imagine that in the Salah, a person is reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, he is saying, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, and Rabbul Alameen is replying to him. That he is saying, all praise is due to Allah Ta'ala, who is the Rabb of the universe. Allah Ta'ala replies and says, Hamidani Abdi, my servant has praised me. It's not a one-way traffic. Allah Ta'ala is responding. And then he says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, all who is the all, most merciful and most compassionate, Allah Ta'ala responds and says, Majjadani Abdi, my servant has extolled my praises. And then he goes on, Maliki Yomiddin, Asna Aliya Abdi. And then he says, Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim, Maliki Yomiddin, Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim, Ya Allah, guide us to the straight path. So here again, Say, this is what is my servant asking. And for my servant, Allah Ta'ala says, This is half for me, half for my servant. Ya Allah, you alone do we worship. This is for Allah Ta'ala. And Ya Allah, you alone do we seek assistance for in everything. Allah Ta'ala is saying, This is for my servant. He's asking for assistance. For him is what he has asked. And then the rest of the surah, Allah Ta'ala says, this is for my servant. He's asking for this hidayat, for this guidance, for being saved from the ways of those who have been deviated. So this is for him, I will grant it to him. So this entire surah is a supplication, it's a dua to Allah Ta'ala, 
And Allah Ta'ala is responding to this recitation of his banda. So what is the message in this? What is the lesson in this surah? Just to now go back through the ayat of Surah Al-Fatiha. The first ayat Allah Ta'ala says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise. Any and every kind of praise. No matter who is praising and what that praises may be. But in reality, every praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone. Lillahi Rabbil Alameen. Lillah, this Lam. Those who are familiar with the Arabic would understand that there's ikhtisas in it. That this is specifically for Allah Ta'ala alone. That a person, for example, is praising some painting of an artist. He painted some scenery. So now he's praising that painting. In reality, who is he praising? That painting is lifeless. He is praising the artist. What a wonderful painting is drawn. So likewise, there is nothing in dunya that is not due to the command of Allah Ta'ala. Anything that was worthy of any praise is because Allah Ta'ala allowed it to happen. If a person truly absorbs this, then all the pride will be eliminated. The pride comes as a result of a person thinking, I am somebody. Because I have certain achievements, I have certain abilities, certain skill, I can do this and I can do that. But when he understands and realizes that every praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone, Allah alone is the one who has enabled whatever has happened, he enabled it to happen. Had it not been for the will of Allah Ta'ala, had it not been for the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, I would not have been able to do one bit. If he truly absorbs this in his heart, then he cannot be proud. Which is the first sin that happened, shaitan, that pride came into him. He thought he was better. Ana khayrun min. If you're asking me to bow down to Adam alayhi salam, I'm better. And that became the result of his complete rejection. And becoming doomed forever. So in any case, this is the first lesson we are getting in the Surah Al-Fatiha. To totally annihilate ourselves. We are nobody. We are nothing. All praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone. Allah Ta'ala who is the Rabb of the worlds, the universe. The worlds, whether it is the world of human beings, whether it is the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, whether it is something beyond this realm of the world that we understand, any part of the universe which we have already, or man has already discovered, and whether it is that part of the universe which he has no idea about. Everything is the creation of Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala alone deserves every praise. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So annihilation of the self. I am nobody, I am nothing. Anything worthy of praise is because Allah Ta'ala has allowed it to happen. And when a person has absorbed this, then he won't bother about being jealous over anybody also. Because that person's, whatever he has also is due to Allah Ta'ala giving it. It's neither his, it's neither mine. He doesn't have any ability to do anything, neither do I. Allah Ta'ala made it possible. Allah Ta'ala is granting who he wishes, what he wishes. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful and the most gracious. This is explaining the two qualities and attributes of Allah Ta'ala. Ar-Rahman is that attribute that Allah Ta'ala by means of which shows his blessing on every creation, whether it is a human being, an animal, a creature, an insect, whether it is anything. And Allah Ta'ala by the attribute of Rahman, 
in this dunya showers his mercy even on the believer on the worst atheist also that he allows him to eat and drink and breathe the air of Allah Ta'ala for free had it not been for the special mercy of Allah Ta'ala in this sense then Allah Ta'ala would have not allowed that atheist and that person who rejects Allah Ta'ala to breathe one bit of his air but everybody is surviving but then a rahim on the day of Qiyamah will be this intense form of mercy which is specific for the believers that there is no salvation in the akhirat for a person who left without iman if he left without iman then there is no such thing as all rivers end up in the ocean everything will be fine doesn't matter what a person believes in but all rivers finish off in the same these are all just fancy words which mean nothing Allah Ta'ala says a person who died on kufr, who died on disbelief, he didn't accept Allah Ta'ala, or he didn't accept Rasulullah as the last and final messenger, and didn't follow this. Then, even if on the day of Qiyamah he could fill the entire earth with gold and come to ransom himself from the fire of Jahannam. This will not happen. He will be doomed forever to Jahannam. We have to have this very clearly in our minds. So this Rahmat on the day of Qiyamah will be specifically for the believers. Then Allah Ta'ala says Maliki Yawmiddin. Maliki Yawmiddin, master of the day of judgment. In dunya, many things we say is mine. I own this. It's my and my house and my business my money a lot of things we say mine and in a sense in a limited sense Allah Ta'ala has given us ownership in dunya in the sense that nobody else can now come and violate that if it belongs to person A then person B doesn't have any right to touch it so in that sense it belongs to him but it's not anybody's ownership in the sense that he can do as he wishes and what he wishes it's an amanat from Allah Ta'ala and therefore he'll be questioned about it in the day of Qiyamah. We gave you this amanat, how you used it? How did you acquire it? How did you spend it? Both things. So this is an amanat from Allah Ta'ala. But in dunya, we still have this kind of limited ownership. But come the day of Qiyamah, the day of judgment, nobody will own anything. On that day, the reality will be that only and only every bit of Ownership and kingdom is in the hand of Allah Ta'ala alone. In dunya many people call themselves kings and people are regarded as kings. But on that day there will be no kings. The only master of the day of judgment and owner of everything will be Allah Ta'ala alone. So in dunya all these what we seem to own, everything will perish. Then together with that Allah alone is the master of judgment. The day of judgment is being brought forward to our attention. How many times? At least 32 times a day. With the Faraz and Sunnah etc. all put together. 32 times a day we are being made to remind ourselves. That look the day of Qiyamah is coming. In dunya many a times a person feels well I can get away with anything. Sometimes a person brags about it too. You saw how I bought him and sold him and he didn't even know what happened. Meaning I deceived him. I defrauded him. I did him down. He didn't even know what happened. In other words, so smart I am. But how far and how long is the day of Qiyamah not going to come? 
hurt somebody's feelings, trampled somebody's rights, oppressed somebody, harmed somebody, usurped somebody's property. How far? How far can a person run? Can he run beyond dunya? Can he run beyond life? So we are being reminded every day, in every rakat of every salah, we are being reminded, Maliki Yawmiddin, that remember this qiyamah is coming, this day of judgment is coming. And in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, that whatever was not sorted out in dunya, you will certainly pay back that right on the day of Qiyamah. Every creature and every creation that was harmed in some way, let alone the human beings, there will be even recompensation in the animals as well. That a hornless goat that was hurt by a horned goat in dunya, on the day of Qiyamah, they also will now be given an opportunity to take revenge. But the thing about them is, once they've taken revenge, they'll be told, Kunu Turaba, become dust. They'll perish, finish, end of the story for them. But insan, not for insan. Insan, he harmed somebody, he usurped somebody's wealth, he did some wrong to someone, he'll have to pay it back on the day of Qiyamah with his good deeds. He took away one dirham in dunya, one dirham which amounts to a few rands. Wrongfully usurped somebody's wealth to the extent of one dirham. He'll have to pay back with 500 accepted salah on the day of Qiyamah. And now he's got nothing to give, then what will happen? All his good deeds are exhausted. Then the sins of those who he harmed will be taken away and put onto him. And Hatta Yukzafafinar, as a result, he came despite coming with mountains of good deeds, but he did not fulfill the rights of people. So all those good deeds will be dished out, then the sins of people will be put onto his head, and Hatta Yukzafafinar, as a result of which he'll get thrown into the fire of Jahannam, Allah Tara save us. So this Maliki Yawmiddin, this day of Qiyamah is coming, this is what we are being reminded. That look, this is something we cannot escape. We will have to face this. Therefore, we have to prepare for it. And prepare for it that we have fulfilled the rights of Allah Ta'ala. We have fulfilled the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala. In both regards, we are clear with our issues. So that when we meet Allah Ta'ala, we don't have any issue in the qabr. We don't have any problem on the day of Qiyamah. Then comes the aspect of the dua. This is the one dua that is necessary, a person cannot do without making this dua. Because he has to read Surah Al-Fatiha. And in this dua, Allah Ta'ala is giving us what is our greatest need. Al-Mustaqeem. Ya Allah, guide us to the straight path. This is our greatest need, the need of hidayah. The need of guidance. There is nothing more greater that we need in life than hidayah. Than being rightly guided. Because anything else, the worst can happen is a person can die. That's the worst. There's some calamity, some problem, some difficulty, some sickness, whatever it may be. What is the worst can happen? Eventually life is going to go. No matter what a person may do to protect his life, to look after his health, Alhamdulillah he should do that. But one day everybody has to go. So that's the worst that can happen in terms of any issue, in terms of dunya that a person's life will go. But if he left dunya without hidayat, if he left this world without this guidance of Iman and Islam, 
then he's got ongoing problems after life as well. He'll bring problems in life. He'll bring turmoil. وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكَ On the one hand, Allah Ta'ala says, those who turn their backs on our commands will make it difficult for them in this dunya. And then akhirat, afterlife also the problem will carry on. Allah Ta'ala save us. So therefore this is our greatest need and we have been made to ask this need. Unfortunately we just recite it, just rattle it off. We don't give any attention to what we are asking. We have to be asking these needs from Allah Ta'ala. اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Allah, you guide me to the straight path. This is something which many mashayikh prescribe this. That a person is battling with some spiritual issue, is caught up in some habit, some problem of some sort which he is trying to get over. The continuous repetition of اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Consciously, repeatedly asking Allah Ta'ala while walking, while driving, trying to fall asleep. In his heart, he's reciting, Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim, consciously, Allah, you guide me to the straight path. With this intention, Ya Allah, I'm caught up in this wrong. Allah, you guide me out of it. It's a very, very effective way to gain that special help of Allah Ta'ala, to come out of these habits. So, in any case, this is a hidayat. And when this complete hidayat comes, then it is not something that's departmentalized. Deen is not something for the masjid only. That in the masjid, I'm a Muslim, outside, I do what I want. In the masjid, I'm reciting Quran Sharif, outside I'm swearing. In the masjid, I'm looking at the place of sajda, and outside I'm looking at haram. No, no, a person who is a Muslim is a Muslim inside the masjid and outside the masjid. In the masjid also, he's talking, what he's talking is good. Outside also, he's talking correct things. In the masjid, he's looking at the Quran Sharif, outside he's only looking at what is halal. So he's a Muslim wherever, inside or outside. He's a Muslim in terms of his ibadat, he's a Muslim in terms of his business also. In terms of his social life, in terms of how he conducts himself at home, his akhlaq and character. That he's a person with kindness, with compassion, with forgiveness, with generosity, with humility. He's a humble person. So he's a mu'min everywhere. When this hidayat comes, it will come in every part of his life. Thereafter Allah Ta'ala is teaching us how to ask this dua. This is a dua and it's like an application form. A person wants something, so now he needs to apply. And he's given the application form already, you sign it and send it in. Everything is there for you. Here is the application being made to Allah Ta'ala. And the application for our greatest need. The greatest need is guidance. The greatest need is hidayat. Because if we leave the dunya... Who knows and what is who has any guarantee I'll see the end of today. If my time has come today, anything of dunya will come along. Nothing will come along. Just that kafan, the person will wear, he'll be gone. But what will come along is his iman, his amal. So then he'll realize that this was my greatest need because everything else got left behind. But I didn't pay attention to what my greatest need was. So now he's asking for this guidance and expounding on what is this guidance he wants. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem, sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhi. Ya Allah, the path of those, guide me to the state path. Now the state path is what? The state path is nothing but the path of the Quran and Sunnah. There is no other path. There's just one path. And that's the only path that will take a person to Allah Ta'ala. The path of the Quran and Sunnah. 
But Allah Ta'ala is expounding this. Ya Allah, you guide me to the straight path. Allah Ta'ala is teaching us how to ask. How do we get the straight path? The simple thing to ask would have been, Ya Allah, guide us to the path of the Quran and Sunnah. But Allah Ta'ala is teaching us, Sirat al-Ladina an'amka alayhim. Ya Allah, the path of those whom you have favored. People. Rijal. And who are these people in another ayat? Allah Ta'ala himself explains it. Who are the people whom Allah Ta'ala has favored? الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ Ya Allah, those whom you favored from the Anbiya, the Nabiyyin. The Anbiya والسلام, that door is closed. Nabi Islam was the last and final messenger. But then the Siddiqeen, the Shuhada, the Salihin, the righteous, pious servants of Allah Ta'ala, till Qiyamah they will exist. Ya Allah, you guide me in the path of these people. Now why the path of people? Because it is people with the correct knowledge of the Quran and Sunnah who will guide us to the path of the Quran and Sunnah. So, Sirat al Namta Alayhim. Allah, guide me to the path of such people who are rightly guided, who have been favored by you. And this has been always the way in which this has moved. Nabi Sallallahu sent Hazrat Mu'az bin Jabal anhu as a governor to Yemen. When he sent him, he instructed the people of Yemen, you must follow Mu'az Whereas they could have been informed and instructed, you must follow the Quran and Sunnah. Obviously that's the only thing to follow. But they will learn what is the Quran and Sunnah from those who know it, who have learned it. And he was among the greatest ulama of the Sahaba. Nabi Islam commanded, you follow him. Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab he sent Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir and Abdullah bin Mas'ud to Kufa, when he was the Amir al-Mu'mineen, he sent them with a letter as well. Ba'athu ilaykum Ammar ibn Yasirin Amira. I've sent Ammar ibn Yasir, he's going to be your leader. Or Abdullah ibn Mas'udin Mu'alliman wa Wazira. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud I'm sending, he's going to be your teacher and advisor. And then Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab that personality who Nabi Islam said regarding him, had there been a Nabi after me, it would have been him. He said, bihima. You now learn from them. And not just learn from them, you follow them. You learn from them, you follow them. Because they know what is the message of the Quran and Sunnah. And they will tell you. And they'll take you on the path of the Quran and Sunnah. You'll try to do your own thing. It's like a person trying to put up this building on his own. He's not an engineer. It's obvious what's going to happen, it's going to collapse on his head, he'll get killed, and he'll kill others also. Once Urwa bin Zubayr he addressed Abdullah bin Abbas and he's saying to him that you have deviated the people. He said, how come? What are you talking about? So just to get to the crux of it, he said, look, this, this particular issue regarding Hajj, one particular aspect, you are giving a certain fatwa, but the practice of Abu Bakr and Umar was not in accordance with what you are saying. It was different. They did something else. And you are giving a fatwa different. Ibn Abbas got very upset. He said, this is why you have gone astray. وَحَدِّثُكُمْ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَتُحَدِّثُونِ عَنْ عَبَى بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ I am telling you hadith and you telling me Abu Bakr did this and Umar did that. And in another explanation and version of this narration, Ibn Abi Mulaika, who is the student of Ibn Abbas, 
He is explaining. And he's saying that Ibn Abbas said to him that who is more greater in your sight? And who has greater preference? Ahuma Waihak Atharu Indak Amma fi kitabillah wa ma sanna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ashabihi wa ummatihi. What is more preferable to you? What is in the Quran and Sunnah? Or these two personalities? Now this is the way that normally, unfortunately, up to this time, people somehow make this kind of contradiction, so to say. That if you're following some learned personality, then you're not following the Quran and Sunnah. So Urwa Rahimahullah replied and said that Huma kana a'lama minka bima fi kitabillah that these two great personalities, Abu Bakr and Umar, by virtue of their association with Rasulullah and the amount of time they spent in his company and how much they learned from him directly and how close they were to him. They knew the Quran and they knew the Sunnah better than me and you. So what they did was not something apart from the Quran and Sunnah. What they did was according to the Quran and Sunnah. They knew the Quran and Sunnah better than you and me. Ibn Abi Mulaika, who is the narrator, he says, فَخَاسَمَهُ عُرْوَةُ Urma silence Ibn Abbas on this occasion. So he himself is a great personality in his own right. But in this particular issue, he just cleared the matter. That look, these personalities who have this deeper knowledge, you're going to have to refer to them to understand what is in the Quran and Sunnah. And that is the exact same position till Qiyamah. That there will be these great personalities who have codified the meaning and message of the Quran and Sunnah. Whether it is Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Imam Malik. They did the Ummah this great service. And their knowledge of the Quran and Sunnah was of that level and that caliber that we can't even compare to a fraction of it. So we will follow in their footsteps not because they are doing something apart from the Quran and Sunnah. But because they are teaching us nothing but what is in the Quran and Sunnah. And this is the way that will happen to Qiyamah. Follow the way of those who have turned to Allah. Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is saying, the people. Follow people who are rightly guided. Follow people who have the true and correct knowledge. And they will take you to that path of the Quran and Sunnah only. Allah wa Ta'ala give us a tawfiq of fully bringing this message of Surah Al-Fatiha in our lives. And living it wa akhir da'wana. Alhamdulillah.